We're bringing you all you need to succeed in the real estate business. It's Spilling the LT, brought to you by Lawyer's Title, telling you what it's really like to work in real estate. Welcome back. I'm Tam your host, Tamara Gady, with another episode. But first, if you like my content, you're really going to love my escrow team. So let's get a conversation going about your title needs. I'm really excited about the guests that I have today. We're going to talk about 2023 and what the year ahead is going to look like. I want to introduce Nick Good. He's with the Good Home Team. He's got a team uh, that produced over $60 million in production in 2022. He has also got a national podcast and... He's all around a super whiz at information and a great source of knowledge. So he's been on my podcast before, but I wanted to bring him back. I didn't bring the rest of the guys this time, just Nick. <laughs> so welcome back to the show, Nick. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you yeah. being here. Yeah, Happy thanks for having me. Happy New Year. Yeah, yes, yes. It's time to go. Is right? this the first show of the new year? It is the first show right, of the new I'll year. Take it. The first one of 23. See, now you, yeah. should, you should feel like a VIP. I, I do. Mean, you deal. always make me feel like a VIP. <laughs> Good. So let's, I like to go ahead and just jump right in. Let's get going. We got a lot to talk about today. I took a quote from, um, and if you guys aren't listening to their podcast, you really need to. It's called The Real the, the Only, only Real Estate. Yep. The, the only, only Real Estate Podcast worth listening to. I mean, I, mine's got to get in there somewhere. Of I mean, course. Of course. B, we're we're plugging it on this show and that show. We've, look. <laughs> um, I pulled a stat, um, and, and you knew from my notes this was, this was coming. Uh, even when it's a train wreck, it's, this is not a stat, it's a quote. Even when it's a train wreck, you still need to continue moving forward. Yeah. Is that the tone for 2023? Sure. I mean, um, you know, I, I think that was the tone for the last six months of 2022. Yeah, uh, the train wreck that. started then. We're yeah. now we're now already we're we're still experiencing it, right? So it's the 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 train wreck happened in probably you know May or June of probably June or July of 22. And we're now feeling the the shock waves of it. We're in the cleanup yes. stages. Yeah, not all the way, but we're getting there. Well, and I had my mastermind group yesterday, and I heard some positive news. Maybe you can uh, confirm it. But they're experiencing a lot more uh, level out with consumer information. Like they're feeling like their consumers are a lot more educated. They're having a less a lot less conversations about seller pricing and buyer con confidence in the market. Are you experiencing the same? Sure. I mean, we've seen we've seen the the demand pick back up for sure. So I think a lot of it had to happen to see, all right, we had to get used to this new normal that we were in. So, you know, COVID happened in 2020. There was a there was a little bit of a delay there of of then the the from the market taking off, right? So we had to get used to what that normal was. Now we're switching back into, you know, everything hitting the fan and interest rates going sky high that we haven't seen since really 2006 and 7 you know, before the great recession of 08. And now we're getting used to what rates are. And, and we're starting to see the media pick up. There was a Today Show um, segment, I think it was in the past two weeks, because it happened after the first of the year. And they did a segment on why it's a great time to buy. Oh, okay. And you hadn't heard that previously. Right. Yeah. So, so a lot of times the buyer sentiment report was saying, this is not a great time to buy. And it's not a great time to buy. And, and rarely have I ever seen that report ever say it's a good time to buy first okay. time. All but right. you know, what we're seeing here in the Dallas Fort Worth area, and, and we're really doing a, a, a better job of educating even all the real estate community here locally is, you know, finding ways to get the interest rate lower, 
but showing the good news of saying, look, the last two years, in order to buy a home, you had to go over asking price. Mm -hmm. You had to go over what the appraised value was going to be. So not only did you have your down payment, then you had to go uh, above and beyond that to 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 bring cash at closing right. to to match the difference between uh, that appraisal price and your sales price, and that didn't go to your equity. Correct. And now what we're seeing is is in Dallas Fort Worth the stats for pre owned uh, pre owned sales is that the average homeowner is coming off of their list of sales price by seven percent. I was thinking it was between five and ten. Yeah, seven percent. So right now you you can come in and say, look, we can negotiate. We can get you closing costs. We can get you a home warranty, and and with that, with those closing costs, we're going to go back to the lender and use that those funds to do an interest rate buy down, so that we can get you a lower than advertised rate right now. And then in the next two to three years, you know, the goal is to refinance you because we're, our expectations and the industry's expectations is that the interest rates are going to come back down, probably. You know, somewhere in the mid fives, yeah. and then in the next twenty four months, we're you know, hopefully we never see the high twos and three percents ever again that wasn't good for us and good for the economy but it's probably going to come back down to to somewhere in the fives and so what is that going to do for for our industry it's going to create a mini refinance boom so our lenders who have been struggling the past six months and probably will struggle the first the first half of 23 they'll they'll start to pick it back up and we'll start to see you know more of a leveling off you know, I think there's one thing that's interesting about you, Matt and Brian, you know, because I listen to your podcast and I don't think it matters what kind of market we've been in since I've been listening to the podcast. You always say it's a great time to buy. Sure. Absolutely. And, I mean, but, but that's because you use strategies, you wield those strategies to your advantage to get your buyers into homes, look, right? Yeah. Where everybody else is checking out. I mean, I had all kinds of realtors last year. They're like, I'm out on buyers. I'm not even working with them. And you guys were saying it's a great time to work. It's a great time to buy a home. I will tell you right now that last year in 2022, the good home team had a record year representing buyers that's over so 35 and a half million in closed buyer volume which is for us we're we're more listing dominant a listing yeah. dominant team and so for us that was a record number and i will always tell people I, i'm not a real i'm not one of those realtors that say you should always buy or sell i'm going to always say it's a great time to buy or it's a great time to sell dependent on the situation that you're in so if you're renting right now it's an amazing time to buy if if you need to downsize and get out of that larger house it's an amazing time to sell and buy if you're if you're looking at buying just to get out of a situation I mean I don't know many situations that wouldn't be a good time for you to buy maybe if you're not having the money and you're trying to stretch those funds sure. don't buy right? Or if you're looking to sell just to test the market, mm -hmm. just to just to cash out so that you can go buy another house and hopefully the market goes up and, and you're able to get the same type of return that you've had over the past three to four years, don't sell. But there's always a reason why it's a great time to sell or buy and we'll never change that message. I have a question that's totally off the cuff that you made me think about. You know, one of the, one of the, one of the effects that we've seen come out of the market is a big rise in property taxes, right? Is the huge appreciation gains. And everything that I'm reading, contradict me if I'm wrong, is that those appreciation gains have significantly slowed something to more of a traditional market, right? That we're going to see in 2023, 2024, something six to eight 
percent is what I'm hearing. I, probably. I think it's going to be lower than that. In fact, I, I personally think that the people that bought in the last two years will actually see a decrease in their property values for a temporary time, right? We got to have a leveling off, right? It's, 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 it's like bouncing back and forth before it slows down. And so I think in 23, maybe in the beginning of 24, when they do, when they're coming out and reassessing property values, I think certain people will, will be able to, to protest them and get theirs lower. Ultimately as an end or as a market as a whole, we'll, we'll go up three to 5%. Sure. Um, my personal belief, and, and I think we need to do a better job of this property values is a killer. Yeah. I, I think that the state of Texas needs to put a cap on that. Yeah. I think the cities and counties need to come together and put caps on that because ultimately the, the, for the average American, the number one way to build wealth is through owning real estate and owning mm -hmm. their primary residence. And so we have to get back into stop thinking that I can't buy, not only because housing is too expensive, but then you've got maintenance. Then you've got insurance. Our insurance costs right now are going through the roof. Yes, they are. And then we've got property taxes. So when you, when you hit it with that trifecta of, of housing costs is high, interest rates are high, you know, insurance rates are high, then property taxes are through the roof. Like if you're a first time home buyer or maybe someone who, who is looking at retiring, like why would you want to go and make any type of real estate transactional move? You're just, it's going to scare you. So we need to do a better job as, as an industry to, to get with our politicians and, and figure out how to put caps on it. I'm all for less government, but I also believe in that, you know, for, for average Americans to go build wealth, we got to get them into uh, wanting to own their own their own primary residence at least. Well, and I think that just knocks a lot of people out. I mean, first of all, they had to pay a hundred grand, you know, 50, a hundred grand to get in, over asked to get into their house, which again, to your point, doesn't go to their equity. That was cash out of their pocket. You can say goodbye to that. And then you're right. They get in the home, they have maintenance, and then their taxes have gone through the roof. I mean, and then what if they have a life change? They want to have a baby. They want to, whatever it is. Or they get right? sick. Or they get sick. Right. And, and you get sick or something happens and, and you, and you, you know, you get cancer and then, and then your income earnings drop, or you got to go focus on that. You shouldn't, you shouldn't worry about losing your house because of property taxes or interest rate or, or insurance rates have gone up. Right. And so there needs to be some better protections in place because ultimately, you know, there should be a capped or tiered model at certain price points, like anything over a million, it should be, all right, this is the max. You know, five hundred to this, it should be should be somewhere in a max between that and anything lower than that. You know, put a put a cap on that, and then the cities and counties can then go and figure out their budgets from there. Actually, it'd probably make the cities and counties make their budgeting a lot easier because they're going to know roughly what areas they're going to be able to generate that the property tax values from. Do you think? Now I don't. I'm not talking about foreclosures, okay? Because mm -hmm. I don't <laughs> don't think we're going to see foreclosures. I don't care what anybody says. However, do you think that we're going to have an uptick in buyers in the next year or two having to sell their home because they can no longer afford it? Yes. Uh, we're already seeing it right now. Um, we have a team in Austin that we're already starting to experience. Look, I, Austin had huge gains, bigger than us. Yeah, for sure. And so our Austin team, and, and we're already experiencing here too, where there's job layoffs starting to happen, right? Because look, we're going through, not every not every job sector is doing that that well yeah. in this market. And so we have people that are that are losing their job that that push the limits, you know, because of the last two to three years of where prices have gone. Now they can no longer afford the house. So we, we are starting to see some short sales. We're going to naturally see foreclosures tick back up to a normal range, right? So we will see foreclosures go up only 
because we were basically at zero during COVID. So well, that's any, what I'm talking yes. about. Okay, I don't want to hear that we're going to have a foreclosure no. boom in no. DFW. <laughs> Look, there's certain people, there's certain people that have been pushing that message. I strongly disagree with it. And anybody who says that we're going through a recessionary style foreclosure boom, those are the people that are that are are putting fear in the water, mm-hmm. right? And and ultimately they are looking to reap rewards off of either buying it at a discount, getting yeah. you know trying to get them a short sale, whatever, whatever that may be and 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 homeowners still have a ton of equity in their house mm-hmm. that's the, mo- the pro- yeah. that's what will call that's the reason we won't have a foreclosure 100 percent. yes you can sell your home and t- walk away with two or three hundred thousand dollars and call it or break even right yeah. so so the good news is we're, we'll be able to you know there are going to be some people that break even that's okay that we're saving their credit right and and ultimately help them restart you know the next chapter and when they're ready when they get financially stable again then we help them get back into a new home I've said this time and time again, and I'll probably be singing this song for at least another year. You know, the thing that makes me the saddest in this type of a a market, look, we've all had seen record profitability, right? We've all enjoyed the success of real estate in Texas in the last two and a half, three years, whatever. You know, I I just always get concerned about Texans being able to afford to buy homes in Texas and veterans be able to use their VA loans. Now, luckily, the diversity in loan type is back, right? You can now win a home with a VA loan without an issue, but the affordability factor for Texas, for Texans in Texas is still kind of a question mark. We'll see some of that market correction, right, over the next year, but is it enough? Not right now. I mean, it's going to be a while, right? We it, Look, it's... And and it's okay. That's that's the lagging indicator where prices have to come down. You know, wages are going to have to go up. Look, we still have inflation problems. Right. Right. So there's a lot of other things. I mean, you know, look at the cost of eggs. You know, that's a hot topic. What right now. happened there? I, I, I don't. I, don't <laughs> I was on know. TikTok and there's uh, yes. this whole. Everybody's talking about eggs. Yeah, I, I look, and so we have other battles to fight right now. And ultimately, what it's going to do is lead to wage increase, and and we have to start level. Like everything has to start leveling off because look, when you when you go put, you know, you know, COVID money in place and and shutting down everything, that I mean, look, a lot of that was caused because of just the shutdown, and then and then they funded they funded all of this. And it so, was just artificial and yes. temporarily inflated. Yeah, so we got to we got to let all that drain out and. And just get back to whatever whatever this normal is going to be, and and everyone will be fine. You know, there's going to be unfortunately that that other segment that they're going to go through some distress. They're going to go through you know some issues, and and so as real estate professionals, what we need to do is just be empathetic to that and help them in the best way that we can. I like the fact that you you guys work so much with buyers. I feel like they have been really un- unrepresented in the last couple of years. So I'm they need they need help. Yes, Texas yeah. buyers need help. Texas buyers and the and the the Spanish speaking population, the Hispanic buyer needs the biggest help. And so one of our goals is really building out um, a, a Spanish speaking division that's not like anything else out. That's there. interesting. Okay. Yeah, and so you know, there's a lot of unfortunately, there's a lot of distrust with within the Spanish speaking community, the Hispanic community when it comes to real estate agents. I've I've heard I've heard of some you know people you know charging and 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 misleading and misleading their their clients yeah. and not doing a fiduciary responsibility. And so ultimately our goal is we've got some amazing group of agents within our organization. So one of our core missions is really building out a great, a great Spanish speaking division so that we, we can put our, you know, the type of services that we provide, we can, we can, you know, really pour that into the, to the Hispanic population. I love that. That's good. Um, Let's back up and let's kind of back. I'm going to actually work for my notes now. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> Something I don't do very often sometimes. 
So let's talk about the top three things you learned in 2022. Yeah. So you you sent me that, and I'm it doesn't like, have to be three. Yeah, I was like, I don't really be. have I don't really have three things because, look, I mean, you know, you know what happened, you know, the last year and a half, right? So my brother passed away October 6th of 2021. October seventh, yeah. I had to go into uh, trauma crisis mode of of uh, basically triage of making sure that our real estate developments got finished because we right. had a lot of debt yes. that we had obligations yeah. to, and so you know going into twenty twenty two, I don't really remember much of it. It's kind of like a blur because right. I was just head down focused. My real estate team, you know, I put them on the side. Thank God I have such amazing team members. There's, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be where I am without them. Right. And, and, and because of them, they still push the ball forward for our clients and for the good home team and everything else. So 2022 was a year of, of, you know, we keep going, we don't give up even when we want to stop. We still, we still, we get up, we put our, we put our pants or shorts on our shoes on yeah. and we just go to work. Right. And, and we finish, we do what we say we're going to do even when shit hits the fan. Yeah. Well, I think that is a lesson, right? You got to keep going. Yeah, we have to keep going. And so, so you know, we did for, for this year, I don't do an end of year business planning. Okay, interesting. The reason I don't do it is because usually that happens in October, November. Then we have holidays. People partake in maybe some adult beverages and no, they party a lot. Realtors? Realtors, just people in general. You know, family comes Title to town. <laughs> it, can be, it can be stressful at times. And so- I don't like end of year business planning because people forget their goals. Yeah. Right. They get all motivated and then all this happens and then the new year starts and they're like, oh, I forgot what the goal I set. Right. And so we do a beginning of the year blast off. And so we just had our blast off. And and our CEO and founder of EXP Realty, Glenn Sanford, jumped on, you know, came up and spent 30 minutes with our team on our on our sales team meeting two weeks ago. And he said something that that really, really solidifies the message of what 22 was of keep going is like, you know. The small promises equals big rewards. Mm -hmm. And so you need to keep the small promises that you make to yourself and to your clients in order to, to reap the big rewards. So the pr small promises of, of staying true to your lead generation every single day, even when things aren't going your way, right? Even when, when you, know, you, have, you don't have as many clients or maybe deals fall apart and you're, you, know, you may be a little bit financially strapped and you want to give up. It's the small promises that you made and the commitments that you made to your business, maybe to your family, to your kids, to yourself, that you don't break those promises. So our theme for, for this year and then and continue moving forward is those small promises equal big rewards if you're willing to keep them. Well, I think you're speaking to the consistency is what you're speaking to. 100%. You know, and, and, and we're having a lot of conversations about that, you know. Okay, let's, let me ask you this. What are the basics of lead generation today? For us, I'll I'll use us because I use I use a lot of older school techniques with with some modern approaches mixed in. And so the older techniques is is we believe that we should be making three hundred calls a day. Three hundred calls. Three hundred calls a day because number one, a lot of especially in the real estate in the real estate industry, um, you know, a lot of agents build their business just off their sphere, right, and sphere right. referrals. So people that that know, like, trust, and love them. And that should only be a, 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 a pillar of their business because during these times in the last couple of months, what we've found is that when the market starts to shift, the, their, their database typically doesn't generate as much business as, they, as it did before. And if that's the only pillar that you're, you're generating your income off of, 
then you're in trouble because if that dries up or slows down, who does it affect? It affects you as a business owner. And so what we believe in is, is one, providing great service and, 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 and staying in constant contact with our sphere data and database, but you know, adding new people to that. So 300 dials a day, you're going to average about a 10% contact rate. Even in today's times, when people don't answer their phone, we have hovered around a 10% contact rate. Okay. So that means you're talking to 30 people a, a day, roughly. Let's just say you only work five days a week. You don't work on, on Saturdays or Sundays, or you take two days off you know, throughout the week. That's 150 people that you've, you've, you've had, you come in contact with. From that, you're going to funnel that down out of 150 a week. You're going to run, you're going to set probably two to five appointments from that, depending on the lead sources that you're generating. And so out of the two to five appointments that you're setting, you're probably going to run about 50% of those, those appointments. Cause look, people say yes to meeting. And then what do they do? They ghost you. They ghost you. Yep. Yeah. Or they cancel. Yeah. And so you're going to run maybe one, two, two, three a week. And out of that, if, if, if you're, you know, you know, if you're a good people person, you ask the right questions, they believe that you're going to be able to help them and whatever their needs are, you're going to probably sign 50% of those clients. So if you're only setting one a week, then you're in trouble. If you're setting three to five, then ultimately you're going to be signing one to three clients a, a, a week. And then from that, you know, you've got the rest that fall into your nurture, your follow-ups. Mm -hmm. And, and the, the biggest thing that we have found in this industry is that, that we all do a very, very poor job of following. I up. didn't have a clue you were going to say that. Yeah, right? So we do a <laughs> poor, poor job of following up because what do we do as salespeople? We want the right now business. Correct. You chase what's happening in front of you right now. And we like the new leads coming in, not the old stuff. Yeah. We like the new people uh -huh. for whatever reason, even though you know, you've, you've chatted with someone and they said, call me back in a couple months or call me back in a year, a year for you as a salesperson, a hundred percent commission, you know, commission, uh, licensed sales agent. That's a long time. That's for a you. long yes. time. So you're like, yeah, I'm not worried about, <laughs> yeah, I'm not worried about those over here. Uh -huh. I need right now. And so we neglect our, our, our follow-up. And so our and then belief, what happens? They end up buying or selling a house yeah. out for a minute, like a couple of months before that even time frame ends. Yeah, you absolutely. Know? Absolutely. So, you know, we, we are really making an emphasis on, on those small promises to your, your follow-up, right? If you say, Tamara, I'm going to follow up with you, you know, in, in a couple months, then put it down and actually do what you say you're going to do because people respect that. And then just let the, let your, let your messages match what they're saying, the market. You know, I think everyone as salespeople needed to hear that. I hope so. I mean, especially my people too, because we're <laughs> yeah. all guilty of it. We're all guilty of yeah. it, right? We chase the new hot thing that's sitting right in front of us. We close what's easy. We didn't, and, and the hard stuff, yeah. I mean, it gets neglected because you want to go after the easy things. Or we get busy, yeah. right? You do your lead generation. You get really, really busy for a month or two. And what do you do? You're like, man, I'm working so hard for these current clients that I'm exhausted. So I'm not going to do any new lead generation. I'm not going to do any of the follow-up lead generation. And so I'm only focused on this. And then ultimately, you know, you close everyone and, and hopefully you have a hundred percent close ratio that, that nothing falls out and it, and it doesn't ever come back. But you close all those, and then you go back to the drawing board, and then you've got to you've got to re reclimb those stairs again. Your pipelines, yeah, empty. your pipelines not. You don't know where your next closing commission is coming from. Yep. Uh, back up a second. What are your lead sources? What are the team's lead sources? Just real quick, brief. Absolutely. So um, the last couple of years, I mean, 
the last the pre the the time before COVID, it was expired. It was circle prospecting, um, and then our sphere and agent referrals. The last couple of years, because inventory levels got down to where we had like one day of inventory, right? right? So, so those the expires and the cancels, you know, you know, they weren't they there. weren't a thing. And yeah. so ultimately, the those lead sources were they were some internet lead sources. Our sphere and database was really really well. Agent okay. referrals. And then now we're starting to see a pickup back in expireds and cancelled. Um, we, you know, we're making a, a, a really conscious effort for helping for sell by owners because um, last year we only closed two. And and our belief is our belief is is money changes hands when problems are solved. And so you know if you think of all right, if if inventory levels have tripled and gone up to about three, little over three months right. of inventory. It actually mm -hmm. fell a little bit just because of the holidays, but it will pop back up to three, three months of inventory. And we're seeing the days on market increase. Well, if those are people that are on the MLS, what are the for sale by owners feeling? Right. Right. They're just getting calls from investors. They're just getting calls from, from agents that are doing one-offs, not following up by the way. Mm -hmm. And, and they're just getting, they're getting bombarded with, with non-interested buyers. And so ultimately they're going to feel tired. They're going to feel frustrated. So again, money changes hands when problems are solved. So we need to do a better job internally within the good home team is to really help that for sale by owner market. And, and from that, they've already raised their hands. They said, Tamara, I'm ready to sell my house. Maybe they're not willing to pay a commission just yet. And we've got to show the value of why. You just leave that sign in the yard for a little while longer and they will. Absolutely. Because, <laughs> look, they're selling for a reason. <clears throat> Correct. They're not selling to stay in the house. Yeah. They're selling to move it or to liquidate it. Right. So we just have to, we just have to dig deep on that motivation and, and find out why do they not want a realtor? Do they, do they, is there distrust? Do they really hate the commission? Is there, you know, realtors are just, you know, their belief is they don't do anything for the money that, that they earn. Right. So we just need to figure out what the, the reason behind that is. Maybe they sold their house one or two times before on their own and it was super, super easy. And, and, you know, especially during COVID or during the run up, I mean, a for sale owner could have sold their house in a heartbeat. Right. You know, realtors were begging for more. Yeah, 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 for sure. So kind of recap what I'm hearing you say so far, lead generation. I love I love the, to talk about client diversity because I'm very diverse in my client portfolio as well, and so client prospect and client diversity pivot is always anytime the market shifts you got to pivot you can't be doing the same thing all the time that you used to do before in the previous market it's not going to work nope. and then it, it's also about be sure be sure that your sales skills are super sharp overcome know how to overcome objections right know how to be a salesperson the tried in two ways of being a salesperson follow up use your crm right don't drop the ball make sure that you know how to overcome objections close the deal right all of those things it seems so simple we all know these things here here's the and when you hear that the problem is that people like to tune out when you're like sales skills you know, overcome their problems and, and, and objections. And we, for whatever reason, we've just gotten and viewed that as, as a negative or slimy. Well, for right? sure. There's sexier and, ways to put it, well, but it's still the same thing. Look, I believe in sales skills. I'm a sales rep. I, I'm a salesperson. That's what I've always That's told people. Do. We do it. sales. When you hire me, I'm here not to be your best friend. I'm here to sell your house. If we become best friends after, great. If you end up hating me, but I sell your house for the, mo for the best price possible and I got the job done and you were happy about that, but you don't like me personally, Cool. That's okay. But guess what? That's what they're going to remember. Yes. Is that you sold their house for more than anyone else in their neighborhood. Or I got the job done. We, we got to the conclusion, which is why they hired me in the first place. But you know what, what we do, what I do when talking to agents and agents that are looking at joining our organization is I say, all right, maybe you have a negative viewpoint of, of selling or the sales terms or handling objections, but 
we're all human beings. So let's just talk. Let's just have a conversation. Sure, sure, sure. So You've we can connect, get to that sure. point. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, connection is key, right? And you build relationships. People do business with people they know, trust, and like, right? 100%. Um, we're going to run out. God, I could talk to you forever, but we don't have that kind of time. Um, let's talk about advice for uh, agents this year. Have we already kind of covered that? We have. I mean, I mean, stay consistent, right? So whatever, and, and here's what I'd say is, is and, and this is what I had to remind my team, right? Like we all do this. I'm, I'm guilty of this, of, of you know, what, what our core business is, you know, and you can like, just go back and look at all your closings. That's your core business. And, you know, when we want to start adding something new, we have to go learn that new skill. Right, so like right now, we are we are we're we're starting to implement working with with uh, a, a, a different type of investor uh, through pad split. Right, it's a different. Whoa, whoa, whoa. explain. Yeah, so pad split is where it's a company that comes in and we help investors go buy single family houses. Um, we need to get it at somewhat of a discount, but what we are going to do is we're going to transform that house into instead of being one single family rental residence, we're going to transform that into renting by bedroom. Right. And so what it's going to do is it's actually going to increase the ROI for your investor client. And so one, we need to go and analyze what areas are the best are, are, are the best for this type of, of investment vehicle. Right. So the type of area, um, the type of demographic um, and the type of investor that wants to hold this in their portfolio. And what we have to do is we have to train our agents on what to look for. Because when you acquire the property, acquisition, like anything, is, is key. So it's what the acquisition cost is going to be. Sure. But then you also have, there's going to be added rehab costs in there to transform it into, you get rid of all common areas. You turn everything into bedrooms. Like you can turn a three-bedroom, two-bath, uh, two two-car garage into six or seven bedrooms that you're going to rent out, um, you know. So uh, these are like room. standalone areas in within the house. Yeah, so they're just bedroom, bedroom. bathroom, you just, you just kitchenette or something. Yeah, there's a ki there's a kitchen. There's no there's no dishwasher. Um, um, there's no you know there, maybe you keep a little eating area, but typically you just they you know the the resident's going to eat in their room. Um, and so you know it, the the rental rates on it's it's rented weekly, but it's a thirty day stay minimum. And so ultimately, what we have to do from an agent is not to go down that point because again, I could talk to you. We could do a whole another show on this. I think. We um, I need to because yeah. I'm interested in hearing more about this. Yeah, I'll definitely, I'll definitely be one of my investor clients on this because it increases the ROI big time. Um, but you know, for our agents, that sounds great because they want to work with more investors. We can, you know, you know, having a great consistent lead flow of investors that are buying properties for cash. You know, it's 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 great for our agents from an income perspective. But they have to then go learn what they're what they're analyzing. They have to go learn what's the right what's the what's the right buy box criteria for that investor. Yeah. And so when you start to go learn something new, what happens to your current book of business? Right, it starts to drop Squirrel. because you, because you neglect it. And so ultimately, what we tell people is, especially for this year, is don't neglect what 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 your core book of business is. Stay very very consistent with it, and then in the off time, because look, we all have off time. Don't tell me you're working twenty four seven right. in the business, right? You slowly start to add that skill set in. You learn it, learn it inside and out. That way, you can talk about it. Then you start to analyze properties, 
right? So you start to analyze properties like, okay, we can walk into this one. I know it has to be no HOA. It needs to be in a neighborhood that you see more cars on the street because it's going to be increased. You're going to have like six right. or seven people, right. six or seven cars there. Right. So you want to make sure that you're not going to get a, a, a complaint from the, the community and the neighborhood. And then ultimately, what type of investor would, would work perfect for this? And then, and then, all right, what's the, what do you need the acquisition cost is? What's the rehab cost going to be? What are the average weekly rental rates going to be so that you can put that in the calculator and show all right, this investor, you buy it here. This is the average reno cost, the renovation cost, and and this is the average weekly rental rate. And if we stay at a a ninety percent or eighty percent occupancy, this is going to be your projected your projected cash on cash return. I'm not going to ask if this is a marketable marketable asset because you wouldn't be doing it if it wasn't. But is there a market where this is being done successfully 100%. already? Yeah, it's it's happening. It started in Atlanta. They moved into Tampa. Uh, Beth Silverman, um, who was in town this past week, she was on the only real estate podcast worth listening to. I think it was episode 168, I believe, where she talks about this, right? So Beth introduced pad split to me. And from that, it's, it's look, I'm a, you know, I, I was poking as many holes as I could in it. And the more that I've started to research it, I feel it's, it's, it, it's, it's, it's for the working poor, basically, right? Because we're starting to see- For young folks. Young folks and, and, and the Super working young. poor. There's the, a, the, the ones that are just going in- into yeah. the workforce. Yeah, and 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 you know, think of it this way, like rents are super expensive, housing super expensive. Right. And so what you have is you've got you've got this this middle ground of people that may be staying at home and they don't want to. Maybe they're 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 couch surfing at friends' house right. or family's house and they're like, "All right, you've got to go, Tamara. You can't be sleeping on the couch right. anymore." And maybe you've got a group in here that that's, you know, bouncing around from from extended stay to extended stay. And so ultimately, it, it allows them to to get into having um, you know a, a place that they can stay. The average the average pad split renter or tenant stays nine months. Um, they get access to Teladoc Health, um, so they get a little bit of some health really? in there. Yep. Then they also then it also gets reported to their credit so that it can show payments on time. So ultimately, the goal is to help them get into that part where you know they're moving on to a, a rental, or you know eventually we help them get into buying later on in life. Well, and you have the property management company, so when they're ready to do a step up, guess what? Yeah, and and ultimately our property management homeward homeward property management would help with uh, managing it for that investor client as well. So mm. I mean it, you know, but for for agents right now. You know, new agents, maybe it's something they can go learn because they're still trying to find what is their core lead source is going to be. I did, if you go to my Instagram, Nick Good Realtor, and watch it, I did a, I did a reel on this that talked about, I only, when I was in full-time production before leading just the Good Home team, is I only focused on expires and cancels. I didn't really go down different paths. I wanted to. But I didn't. I knew I had so much more juice to squeeze out of expires and cancels that I, my goal was to see could I make five hundred to a million dollars in commissions just working really the that one lead source because there was plenty of opportunity. Now there is again in that, or you become a four sale by owner machine. Like for right. me, I was not that strong at it. I have a lot of room to grow in that in that lead in that lead source. Or like Beth, Beth Silverman closed $23 million in 2022. And the, and the majority of that was working with investors. It was Airbnbs because she's mm -hmm. in the St. Pete in Florida. It was Airbnbs, VRBOs, and pad splits. And so that's over $600,000 in commissions working with investors, but then working down the niches of the investment categories. Love that.
Um, does Pat Smith, what, okay, let's say Collin County bans Airbnbs. Does Pat Smith fall underneath that category? It's, yeah, Pat Split. P -S -P Pat Split. I'm yep. saying it wrong. Well, yep. I, I wrote it down wrong. Yeah, Pat that Split. Again. Split. S -P -L -I -T. That makes more sense. <laughs> yep. um, yep. And um, we're, still, we're still analyzing that. No, from my understanding, it does not. Only because um, there it's 30 day, stay, 30 day stays minimum. Um, and Airbnb's some, short term falls under the that, 30 day. Yeah. I think that didn't Tarrant County defined it as that didn't they? as under 30 days, yeah. I believe. So they, it's a so 30, it it's advertised as a weekly rental rate, but it has to be a 30 day stay minimum. Okay. So, um, and, and then there, there's, you got to do your own due diligence because ultimately in, in some of the cities that, you know, if you're not related by blood or marriage, that there's a certain capacity that you could have non family and non blood, you know, or non, non marriage living in under one dwelling. Okay. And so, I know in Fort Worth, or you know, they they loosely they have a rule on it, and they loosely determine who they want to go after and who they don't. And so you've got to do your own due diligence, and it's it's enter at your own risk on that. But for the most part, it's you know from an investment purpose, it's a great ROI, right? And what you do with it is is if you're ready to liquidate it, what it does is Passport has created a an, an internal community that they can go and exchange. You know, they can go and sell their portfolio hmm. or sell their product, sell their their property or their investment vehicle within another Passport member. And so they keep it all in house because think of it this way: my biggest where I spoke in the biggest holes, like if I convert this house, and then ultimately I want to go sell it in the future. Well, now I have to go convert it you've back got like into a three leases, and you've got a big conversion problem. Yes, right? yes, and so and so that's that's one of the things they said is like no, we, you know, you go sell it to an internal member um, at the at the you know at a multiplier because there's going to be you know there's going to be revenue that's generated from that investment vehicle. Well, so it'd be nice you don't have to go back and do that reno all over again. Yeah, that that was the one thing that I that I was really poking holes in, and then and then you know their their rent up. Is is fairly quickly on average. I think it was like it was like forty or fifty days to get to get pretty much as stabilized. Meaning, meaning if there's a if it, if you turn into a seven bedroom, they they've leased up six of the seven to get it stabilized. Hmm. That's super interesting. We're uh, we'll have to come back to that because we run out of time for today. Yeah. But and we I don't even think we followed any of this anyway. That's all right. <laughs> That's, that just means I can come back. Yeah, it does mean you can. You're always welcome back. So thank you for being my guest today, Nick. Uh, if you guys want some information on pad split or anything else that Nick is up to, you're looking to join a team, I highly recommend that you reach out to Nick Good and also make sure that you tune into his podcast. Again, the name is the only real estate podcast worth listening to. Thank you so much for your time today. Again, if you like my content, you're really going to love my escrow team. So give us an, give me an opportunity to talk to you about your title needs and make it a great day. Mm -hmm.